0: I have a, a pretty cool opportunity. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you guys this morning. I talked to Bill, and um, I, I just wanted to, wanted to be able to kind of encourage our, our graduates today and kind of speak towards that. And um, so, like Bill said, we've got a lot of stuff going on. Um, we don't want to keep you guys late because we know, you know high school students are getting ready to head over to the high school and get set up. You've got to go you know, stake out. 40 or 50 seats in an aisle and try to fight for them for about three hours while everybody shows up. It's a busy day for parents too. So um, we're not going to keep you too long. But what I want to do this morning is I just want to share uh, briefly a little bit to you guys. Um, we, uh, uh, you probably got your engagement sheets. I hope you did. Um, I'm, I'm going to talk to you this morning. Uh, I'm going to encourage our graduates by telling them that their dreams stink. Um, uh, I know, not really your, your normal message, you know, go get them. Um, and, and actually, I'm not going to tell your dreams stink, but we are going to kind of dig into that a little bit this morning. We're going to talk about dreams. Uh, right now, graduates, high school graduates, college graduates... Um, Almost all of us in between are, are looking at our dreams, and we're, we're digging through, and we're trying to say, you know, what's going on? What do I need to be doing? We just saw four people up here that have a lot of decisions to make, you know? They didn't all say, all right, well, here's what I'm doing. Here's where I'm going, and in 10 years, this is what I'm gonna have going on in my life. You know, some of them may be kind of thinking about what they want, but there's a lot of decisions going on right now, and that's a good thing, you know? There's, there's no reason to say you have it all planned out, you know, there's, they're gonna start making those decisions as they go. So um, what I wanted to do is, is, kind of share, as you can tell, um, I'm going to share a few things that you're probably not going to hear today as graduates. College graduates, on your graduation day, the same way, I'm going to share just a few things that you're probably not going to hear. All right, so um, one thing that you're probably going to hear over and over again, something that everybody says, and it's a very common thing, is, oh, the places you will go. Have you seen the Dr. Seuss book? The Dr. Seuss book is the number one selling graduation book of all time. made that up. That's probably not true. But they sell a ton of those. I was in Walmart, and there's a whole big old case full of all the places you will go. And everybody's going to give those out, and they're going to say, you can go anywhere. It's a great thing. So you'll probably hear that, but you probably won't hear something like, well, sorry, you don't have very many options out there in front of you, so just settle down, settle in Highland, and, you know, do the best you can, right? Nobody's probably going to say that to you or Collinsville, sorry. I'm going to be equal opportunity here. Yeah, they're not going to say that. Another thing that you're going to hear over and over again, just like you did right here, is what are your plans next year? Where are you going? What are you doing? Everybody's going to ask that. They're going to show up at your graduation parties, and and they're going to say, what are you doing? Where are you going? Most likely, you're not going to hear, man, I can't believe you actually graduated. We really had our doubts about you. Even if people are thinking that, they're probably not going to say it on your graduation day. I can almost guarantee it. I have seen one graduation party wrecked with with horrible words, but it probably won't happen to you, so hopefully not. All right, so that's another thing. Another thing that you're going to hear is people are going to say things like, like my favorite, the world is your oyster. I don't even know what that means. Um, They're also going to say, they're going to say, shoot for the stars, you know, reach out and, and grab them. The whole world is yours. You know, you can do anything you want. But most likely people aren't going to come up to you and say, you know what, set your, set your uh, sights low and you'll never fail. Right? I subscribed to that for years, didn't I, Carrie? Sorry to say it, but it's true. It's true. Carrie kind of set me straight on that. But yeah, they're not going to encourage that. They're not going to tell you just, to, you know, shoot for the worst and anything above that's great. You know, that's not a, not a real inspirational thing to say. Um, the last one that I think that you're going to hear an awful lot And uh, Carrie actually mentioned it. I was, I had my head down um, thinking and and writing during the announcements, but I guess the the middle, was it the middle school path had all the, like the chalk things written on it that said, you know, all the encouraging thoughts and encouraging things towards graduates and eighth graders going into high school. Um, You're probably going to hear a lot, follow your dreams, you know, set your dreams and follow them, go for it, you know, you can, you can do it. You're going to hear that an awful lot. And while I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, I don't think anybody besides me is going to tell you today that your dreams stink. All right, take a look at the screens. God.
1: We can work this out. Hey, we're oh. alone. Gentlemen, please. Give me back my guide. <laughs> Ruffians. Oh, ah. oh, oh, oh. Oh. Put him down! Okay, I don't know where I am, and I need him to take me to see the lanterns because I've been dreaming about them my entire life. Find your humanity! Haven't any of you ever had a dream? delicious, mean, and scary My sneer could curdle dairy And violence-wise, my hands are not the cleanest But despite my evil look And my temper and my heart I've always yearned to be a concert pianist Can't you see me on the stage performing Mozart Tickling the ivory still they gleam? Yep, I'd rather be called deadly For my killer show tune deadly. Cause way down deep inside I've got a dream He's got a dream, he's got a dream CIA as cruel and vicious as I seem yeah. Though I do like breaking femurs You can count me with the dreamers Like everybody else I've got a dream And lumps and bruises Well, something here that oozes And let's not even mention my complexion But despite my expert toes And my goiter and my nose I really want to make a love connection Can't you see me with the special little lady We're rowing in a rowboat down the stream Though I'm one disgusting blighter I'm a lover, not a fighter Cause we don't keep I've got a dream I've got a dream got, a dream. got a dream, and I know one day romance will reign supreme, though my face leaves people screaming, there's a child behind it dreaming, like everybody else, I've got a dream, call oh, it like to quit and be a florist, Gunter does interior design, Ulf is into my, Attila's cupcakes are sublime. collect ceramic unicorns. What about you? I'm sorry, me? What's your dream? No, no, no. Sorry, boys. I don't sing. I have dreams like you. No, really. Just much less touchy-feely. They mainly happen somewhere warm and sunny. On an island that I own, tanned and rested and alone. Surrounded by enormous piles of money. i got She's got a dream I just wanna see the floating lanterns gleam And with every passing hour, I'm so glad I left my tower Like all you lovely folks, I've got a dream She's got a dream He's got a dream i got a dream We has got a dream So i difference real consistent We've got a stream We're all Call us brutal Sensitistic And grotesquely optimistic To
0: her. All right, there you go, there you go. AJ, did that inspire you? She'd like that. I'm a cartoon guy. I got I, mean, I don't. I guess I don't have to apologize. But cartoons, for some reason, when I watch them, they put ideas in my head, and uh, I think there's some good theology in cartoons sometimes. So um, I want to take an opportunity now to go ahead and dismiss our blast kids. You got to hold blast kids for a cartoon. So thanks for sticking with me. You guys are welcome to head out. And you'll have to ask your parents later why Pastor Corey told graduates that their dreams stink. All right, so, like I said, we're going to move through this pretty quick. If you would, if you've got a Bible, why don't you open it up to, um, open it up to Matthew chapter 20. All right, so what I'm going to talk about this morning is obviously that line from the movie, uh, that main character there, uh, his name is Flynn, and... Um, as I was watching the movie and kind of looking at it, what Flynn said his dream was, um, it kind of reminded me a lot of the American dream. Um, he's probably not American, and it's probably a little embellished, but I want to go through his dream with you and talk about why I think that that's pretty similar to the American dream. We're going to kind of dig into that a little bit as, as you're graduating and moving on. Everybody's kind of working towards that American dream. It's something that's kind of ingrained in us as a culture and as a society. Um, Notice he says, uh, he says, you know, my dreams aren't as touchy-feely, um, but they happen somewhere sunny, and then he says, um, on an island that I own, okay, so he wants, he wants to own an island. How does that play into the American dream? Property ownership, right? The American dream is you have a house. College graduates, you don't have houses yet, Right? But you probably want one fairly soon, don't you? You know, a a job and a house. You know, that's a big part of it. Everybody wants the house with the picket fence. That's the American dream. The next thing that he says is, where I'm rested. I thought about that, where I'm rested. He He wants to be rested. Well, that's part of the American dream too, right? You want a job, but what's a job with no rest time? What's a job with no vacations, right? That's the American dream. You have a job that you don't just make money at, but they pay you to go spend that money on exotic vacations. Right? It's a really sad thing when you work and work and work and work and don't get to go away. That's just part of it. Uh, Man, I want to get a job, but I want time off. You know, weekends, holidays, and the big vacations that we all like to take. So that's the second thing. The next thing he says is, uh, he says, where I'm rested and alone. I thought about that alone. He wants to be alone. Well, that's all kind of part of it as well. Because we as a society, part of our dreams is we want to be able to have the leisure of personal time time where we're by ourselves. The big one that I can think of as a a guy, because it's easy because I'm a guy, is golf. Guys like to golf. Guys like just to be like, all right, I'm going out. I'm going to go shoot some golf. Other things that guys like to do, fishing. Right, AJ? We love to fish. Yeah. Girls, you guys, I don't know what you do in your free time. You probably don't have quite as much, maybe. Uh, uh, I know... Carrie doesn't have a lot of free time. But, you know, you girls, you do have things. You like to, I don't know, maybe scrapbooking or, you know, don't you just want time where you're like, all right, honey, take care of the kids. I'm going out. I'm going to go get my nails done. There we go. That's a good one. All right. I mean, you know, what's the point of working 40 hours a week or 50 or 60 or whatever it is and not being able to go kind of take that time away? You know, that, that's part of it. That's part of what we desire as a, as a culture. The last thing that he says is surrounded by enormous piles of money. Any of you graduates wish to be surrounded by enormous piles of money? Yeah, that's what I thought. All right, so that, that, that's part of the American dream, right? We don't have to explain that one. Everybody wants money. You know, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just how it is. We all want money. We want to have enough money to be able to do all these other things. The American dream, you know, to have a house, to have a family, to have, you know, two, what is it, 2.5 kids, a picket fence, and a dog. Like, that's it. And that's what we encourage people to do. We encourage people to go out To what? Go to college, go to the military, then college, sometimes that, and then go get your job, get married at some point in the process, and then you made it. You made the American dream. Well, what I want to talk about this morning is what happens when maybe the American dream isn't what God is calling you to. What if that's not the dream that God has for you? What if it doesn't fit into that box of the American dream that everybody's encouraging you to pursue? One verse that we all kind of uh, grab hold of, it's probably one of the top memorized verses um, that's in the Bible, and it's Jeremiah 29, 11. All right, if you know Jeremiah 29, 11, say it with me. You ready? For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. All right, good verse, right? Plans to give you a hope and a future. We kind of grab onto that verse, and that's like a lot of people's life verse. And it's like, you know, God has a plan for me. God, it, God has a good plan for me, not out to harm me, but for my good. He wants to give me a hope and a future. And the question this morning is, what if that hope, that dream, that future that God has isn't necessarily what people are telling you, and even more importantly, what if that dream and that future that God wants for you isn't exactly what you have planned for yourself. That's what we're going to kind of dig into this morning. Um, let's go ahead and, um, and pray and, uh, and just ask that God would, would open up our eyes to the scripture that we get to go through this morning. Father, I thank you for an opportunity to stand here and uh, to be able to read your word um, and, and to be able to dig into it together. We pray that you would uh, bless our time in it. Lord, it's, it's inspired, it's, uh, it's living, it's powerful. Um, and it divides every part, of our, every part of our soul and our spirit, Lord. It tells us exactly who we are, and Lord, as we go through that, I pray that it would open up our eyes to ourselves, to who we really are, and most importantly, who we are in you, as we try to figure out where to, where to go in our lives and what to do. We're all at that same place, Lord. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so like I said, open up your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 20. Let's see if I can get there. There it is got a page number there. If you don't have a Bible with you, grab one off the end of the the chair rows and feel free. You can take that home with you. Um, We want you to to put a Bible in your hands if you don't have one because we, as I said, believe it's the the Word of God. All right, so the first thing I want to talk to you guys about is what happens when God is the one who determines our steps. Matthew chapter 20, we're going to read verses 20 through 24. So uh, if you have your Bible out, uh, read along with me. It says this. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, and kneeling down asked, them, asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at the left in your kingdom. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. The ten, of course, meaning the other ten disciples. James and John were disciples. And uh, James and John, this is, this is a kind of a cool passage. I um, really like it because it kind of gives us an insight into what was going on when Jesus was ministering. It gives us insight to what was happening with the disciples. A lot of times, uh, if you've grown up in church, you think about the disciples, and you think of the, uh, like the little flannel characters on the flannel board, and they're these like, you know, good-looking guys with real clean robes, and uh, all have long hair, and um, they're always like smiling, and they're following Jesus, and, and they're you know, cheering him on, and, and they're doing a great job. When, when you read through the scriptures, it's crazy because these guys just kind of fumbled their way through Jesus' ministry. I mean, they were there and they were working with him and they did some unbelievable things and God used them in powerful ways. But there's so many times where you read something and you go, really guys? I mean, I know that that's not what you should have said. I know that that's not what you should have done. Well, unfortunately, the disciples didn't have the New Testament to be able to read what we read and know what we know. They were following Jesus and they were listening to his teachings, but over and over and over again, the disciples were getting it wrong. Jesus was teaching um, over and over about the kingdom of God. And he was saying, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A lot of the parables reveal to us what the kingdom of God is. Unfortunately, a lot of the disciples were thinking that this kingdom that was coming was that Christ was going to be king. He was going to be put in charge of their people. He was going to be a political authority. He was going to be, you know, the next big thing. At this point in Jesus' ministry, he had a lot of followers. Jesus was at the top of his game, if you count his game by how many people were following him. Um, before this, it was, yeah, I remember the, the feeding of the, the 5,000. Um, they say that that was 5,000 men, which means it could have been 18,000, 20,000 people total. I mean, there were people following him everywhere. Um, there's, there's places in the Gospels that tell us that um, sometimes they were so surrounded by people, Jesus couldn't even move. Remember the times he had to push a boat out into the water to get away from the people so he could speak to them. Uh, There were times, it says, where they couldn't even eat because there were so many people around and there were so many things to do, all right? People were everywhere. And the disciples at this point, James and John, they're, they're going to Jesus and they're saying, you know what, Jesus? We've been thinking about something. And I really think that for James and John, I think that we can call this a dream that they had. It doesn't say that, the words aren't there, but if you read what's going on and you read more of Scripture to kind of see what's going on, I mean, this was an important thing to them. James and John, do you remember where they came from? What occupation were they before Jesus caught them? They were fishers, right? They were fishermen. When Jesus called them, they were in the boat with their dad, mending their nets. Manual labor, right? They were fishermen. Rough, gruff, sea people. All right? So at this point right now, they've come from that. They've come from probably not much. I would assume not very well educated. They're, they're just fishermen. No offense, AJ. Um, <laughs> But, they, uh, but they, they came from this, and now they're walking with Jesus, and they're, they're getting recognized. Like, hey, that's, that's James and John. Those are the guys that are hanging out with Jesus. Those are, like, the, the main guys that Jesus is hanging out with. They're important. And James and John, they're starting to think, man, something's going to happen here. Christ is talking about this kingdom. You know, all these people are following him, and they see these things, and they start looking and saying, you know what, things are going to be different for us from here on out. So they go to Jesus, and not only do they go to Jesus, there is another uh, in one of the Gospels where they just go to him by themselves, and they say, you know, Jesus, you know, grant us this request. We want to sit at your right and left hand. These are places of honor. You know, think of a king, you know, at his right and his left hand. These guys are like have the, you know, the most power next to the king. And they're requesting this of him and saying, please, you know, hold those places for us. We want them. At this point, uh, one of the reasons why I think this is more than just a passing thought is because their mom's there. This is, you know, look back at it. It says, uh, the heading on my Bible says a mother's request. All right. Passing thoughts, you don't go to your mom and talk to her about. Passing thoughts, you just, you know, if it just happened once in Scripture, that's one thing. But these guys went to their mom. They're sharing this with their mom, and they're saying, Mom, it's going to happen. I'm not coming back. Tell Dad, sell the boat, buy a nice dress, and we're going to be well off. We're going to take care of you. All right, these guys are getting excited. Now, I don't want to put the disciples down here. I mean, obviously we're gonna we're gonna get to what these guys did here in a minute. But what I want to, want you to see is these guys were working towards something. Sometimes when we work towards a dream, when we set a, a goal for ourselves or a dream, and we work and we work and we work, sometimes we get so focused on that it's like having blinders on, and we can't see what's going on. We can't see maybe what the Lord's doing. And at this point, they bring mom into the picture. You know, it wasn't good enough just to go talk to him. They bring mom in, and mom pleads with Jesus. She gets down, and she says, Lord, you know, please save your left and your right hand positions for my boys. This is a family thing. You know, they're talking through it. This is a, this is a dream that they have. Um, if you read uh, later on in Scripture, all the disciples are walking behind Jesus and they're not talking about, man, that was, that was a crazy miracle. That was awesome. I can't believe he just did that. Or this is, this is going to be fun. I wonder what he's going to do next. You know what they're talking about? Who's the greatest? They're arguing, I'm better than you. Did you see what I did? I passed out like 400 baskets of fish before you got to 12. You know, I, I'm the man. You know what they're talking about? And Christ turns and rebukes them for it. These guys were, they were a little bit a little bit off in what their goals were. They were doing some crazy good things, but they were a little off. What I want to do is I want to talk about the end of their lives because what happens sometimes with our dreams is, we're going to get into it, is when God has something different for us, it's something better. That verse that we hold on to in Jeremiah says, a hope and a future, all right? Jesus had something different for him. Jesus was God. He knew what the future held for him, And he didn't rebuke him. He didn't come out and say, hey, guys, seriously, after all this time, you have no idea what I'm talking about? He was a little more loving than that. And he kind of gave him a little bit of information, and he kind of, you know, again, kind of cast a vision for what was coming. Um, He asked him the question, you know, can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink, you know? He's he's trying to say, things are coming that are not going to be pretty in my life, you know? He's getting ready to go to the cross, and he's preparing for that, trying to prepare his disciples, and he's asking them, can you go through what I go through? They're like, yeah, yeah, we can do that. The crazy thing was Jesus used these guys not in a way that they had dreamed probably. Uh, James went on, after Christ was crucified, held true to the faith, held true that Jesus was the Messiah, and ended up, according to uh, the book of uh, Acts, he was the first of the 12 disciples who was um, martyred for his faith. So I don't think James got there. I don't think James got to that position of recognition necessarily in that way. I don't think he held the office that he thought he would hold but you know what? Man, a man of faith, a man of faith who laid down his life and said, Jesus is Lord, and I don't care what anybody else says. He walked with Jesus, and he believed that, and he, he's gone down in history as, as, as a martyr for our faith. Um, his brother, John, uh, John, dreamed of having this position, but you know what? God said, I need you to be an author. Do you think this fisherman, Probably dreamed that one day God would use him to write books. He didn't write like children's novels or anything. Remember, John wrote a lot of amazing books that are in our Bibles today. Um, the Gospel of John. We have 1 John, which happens to be one of my favorite books in the Bible that I love. Second John, Third John, and even Revelation. Um, according to you know ancient uh, you know documents in history, um, John lived for a long time. And did some amazing things. And we read his words here probably just about every week. The words that, that God spoke through him and put on the page for us. If you know somebody who doesn't know the Lord and you give them a Bible, where do you tell them to start reading? Where do you tell them to start reading? Genesis 1-1? Most people say what? The book of John, the gospel of John. Yeah. So his book is our go-to, our go-to book for people who don't know the Lord to draw them to Christ. Because he was there. But it wasn't necessarily his dream. A couple of verses I want to share with you um, to kind of seal this up is Proverbs 16:9, a verse that I absolutely love. Um, And it says, In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. Man, isn't that true? Isn't that true that that it is our heart that plans our steps, right? Is it a bad thing? Is it a bad thing that James and John had had a desire? You know, I don't think it was necessarily just a selfish desire. I think it was a desire maybe to serve, you know. These guys did some amazing things for the Lord. You know, high school graduates, you guys have goals. You guys have dreams. Your heart is planning your course, right? College graduates, as you guys get ready to move on, everybody else, as you're trying to figure out what do I do tomorrow, what job do I take, we have decisions every day. We're, we're planning our course, but the cool thing about God's Word is it encourages us and it tells us that the Lord is the one who determines our steps, Is that relieving to you at all? Isn't it cool though? It's not our job to determine our steps. It's not our job to force our dreams and our course and to make it happen no matter what. I think we're told that. I think we're told that. And you know, there is something to be said for determination. But the cool thing about it is, is God is the one who determines our steps and we're to follow that. We're to walk walk those paths. The last verse I want to share to you, um, or share, oops, sorry, share with you. See if we can get it. Romans eight twenty eight. Also, you know, this is something that comes up for me all the time. It says this. If you haven't heard it, listen up. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. What a blessing of a verse. And we know that in all things. That doesn't say the good times. It doesn't say when things are going well, when plans are coming together. It says all things. He works together. It it doesn't say so that we can get by. It doesn't say so we can get through life. It says for the good of those who love him. My encouragement to you guys this morning is, obviously, do do you fit the last part of that verse? It says who have been called according to his purpose. It doesn't say that he will work everything together for the good of those who live on planet Earth. It says, who have been called according to his purpose and for the good of those who love him. Do you love him and are you called to his purpose? That doesn't mean are you going to be a pastor or a preacher or a a teacher in a Christian school doesn't have anything to say about that. It says, if you love him and are called according to his purpose. The last thing I want to share with you guys is what do we do with this? You know, if we can agree that scripture teaches that God determines our steps and that he is working things out. He's working out our circumstances. He is taking care of us and making sure that things work out for our good, and all we have to do is, is follow Him and walk in those steps that He's planned for us. What do we do with that? How do we make it a little more practical? If you would flip over to Luke chapter 10, we're going to look at one more, uh, one more story in the Gospels of, um, of Jesus' ministry. And this is one uh, I'm sure most of you are familiar with, Luke chapter 10, a story of Mary and Martha. Now, we as guys don't really read this passage very much because the girls have kind of grabbed that one pretty tight. You know, having a Mary heart and a Martha world, you know, that's, that's the women's uh, big book and study. It's, uh, it sounds awesome. We're going to apply this to all of us this morning. We're going to read verses 38 to 42, page 721 if you're using one of our Bibles. All right, it says this. And Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, we're at graduation week, right? How many of you had just an absolutely crazy week this week? Anybody else? We got got quite a few. I mean, it's it's been nuts. A lot of preparations, right? A lot of things to be done. As we're looking at dreams and looking at our aspirations and the things that we're, that we're going for, college students, jobs that you're looking for, maybe already have, maybe moves that you're going to make, high school students, your summers and, and all the rest of us, day to day activities, I think we can fit pretty well into this. Because what happens is we know that we as a society have a lot to do. We're not a leisure society anymore if we ever were. You know, we don't till the fields and then head back into the cabin and spend the evening with our family because it's too dark to work outside. You know, now we have floodlights and the work goes on and on and on. You know, we fill our days with so much activity. We fill our time with so much planning and so much stress and worry and trying to say, oh man, what am I going to do next? I think we can see ourselves in Martha a lot in this way. And the thing I want to close with this morning is that verse that's so beautiful, and it's Jesus's response. As Martha's just fretting and worrying, and what do I do? And I, I, I need to get this done. And he's so, she's so mad at her sister. And I can see this, you know. I can see this. If I'm just like sitting around, you know, doing nothing, and Carrie's just busting her tail, she's not gonna be like, oh, good for you. Take it easy, you know. She wants my help. I can, I can see that side of it. But the cool thing is, is listen again. He says to, he says to Mary. Um, or to Martha he says Martha Married you are worried and upset about many things but only one thing is needed so what I want to just make sure and push across this morning is that one thing is needed as we we go towards our dreams and we pursue and I encourage you guys be determined you know be determined Set set your sights on what you want and work towards it but remember one thing all of us remember one thing Jesus says only one thing is needed and what is that one thing is that one thing, going to church? No. Is that one thing, reading your Bible? No. Are those good things? Yes. Does he teach that? Yes. But what is, what is Mary doing at this point? Let's look again and see what Mary's doing. It says, 39, it says, She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. They had a little bit of time with Christ. A little bit of face-to-face time. They had other interactions in Scripture, um, but Jesus was a busy guy. And he was traveling and and blessing people and meeting needs and healing and teaching. They had a little time. And Mary chose to sit at his feet and listen to what he had to say. You know, you guys don't get a little bit of time to sit at Jesus' feet physically and listen to him. But we have opportunities to spend time with Christ sitting at his feet and listening to what he has to say. We have God's word, which is Christ teaching to us. Those words in red, he wasn't just teaching those to the people he was talking to. Do you remember the passage where he prays for all believers, not only those that are here now, but those who will hear about me in generations to come? That's so cool because Jesus is praying for us. That's a crazy passage. You need to read that if you haven't read it before. If you don't think the Bible speaks to you, read when Jesus prays for you. One thing is needed. My encouragement to you guys is sit at Jesus' feet. Take the time. Put away all the stuff that has to be done. All the plans that need to be made. All the decisions that need to be made to be able to focus on that one thing that is needed. To give yourself up to the guidance of Christ. This is the last verse I want to share with you guys and I'll close and uh, and we'll move forward with uh, just a couple other things we want to finish up with. 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, uh, this is a, a really cool passage, and it, it's, a lot of it's talking about money. Um, if you want to get a perspective on, on money, flip to 1 Timothy 6.6. 6. Um, it's basically, you know, it's, it's the passage where we all know, you know, the, the love of money is the root of all evil, um, and uh, we hear that a lot, and, and it's funny, you know, that um, so many of us that really don't have a lot of money spend a lot of time talking about how evil money is, when um, we don't really even have it, so, um, but uh, college students, graduates, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Oh, that's that's awesome. Godliness with contentment is great gain. When we take the time to do that one needful thing, that one necessary thing, to listen, to slow down, to focus in and to listen and to be able to say, Man, Lord, what steps do you have for me? Where are you taking me? You guys that are graduating college, you're, you're, you're waiting for those phones to ring, aren't you? You know, you're throwing resumes out like crazy. You know, you're, you're trying to find something. The economy's not great, right? Jobs are hard to find. So when that phone call comes, and I'm just throwing it out there, if that phone call comes and, and it's Walmart calling, saying, hey, you know, we've got, we've got this gig, it's, it's part-time, um, you know, we'll give you about 35 hours a week or so, and you say, ah, oh, man, that's, that's not my dream, you know? And you're waiting for that call, and you're waiting for that call, and it doesn't seem like it's coming. You know what? God's word says godliness with contentment is great gain. The Lord may be doing something. My final question is, what if God says your dream, your dream stinks? Not because he's a big, angry God who, who wants to ruin your life, but because he says, you know what? Working things out for your good. You know, what if that's what's going on? What if, what if underneath the Lord's, you know, you're 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 charting your course, but the Lord is directing your paths over here? And you're saying, but Lord, I went to college for four years, and this is what I want to do. And He says, I I, I need you over here. This is where I want you. This is gonna be awesome. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Don't give up on your dreams. You know, don't give up on pursuing and pushing and striving. But you know what? God's Word tells us godliness with contentment is great gain. Our prayer is that you guys have great gain in your lives. You know, I speak to myself too. It's not over. When you get your your job and you get your family and, and things are going along, it's not over. You still have dreams that are unfulfilled. You still have things that you want to do and places that you want to go. But we all need to take that time to sit, to listen, and to hear Christ guide us in our lives, knowing that He's working for our good. I hope that's encouraging to you this morning. Let's let's just be encouraged by Scripture, that He is working, and that He has our best at heart. And all we have to do is sit and to listen to Him. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you, and we thank you, and it's such a blessing to just be able to read your Scripture. Um, Man, it's... it's, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing to be able to be encouraged the way that you encourage us and, and to know that you're caring for us and know that you have our best at heart. Father, I pray um, because the, the words that I've shared this morning aren't just these easy things. It's like a light switch in our heads that we say, oh, okay, I'm to be content in what the Lord gives me. It's not an easy thing, and I know that. Um, but Lord, I pray that we would have strength to be able to trust you and to know that you're out for our good. Father, I thank you for a privilege to be able to share this this morning and to be able to read the beautiful scriptures that you've laid on my heart. And I pray you would bless the rest of our time this morning. In Christ's name, amen.